part of blindsidepods.com. Designed from the ground up for Boston. Divisive sports talk is gone, but the socks ain't going anywhere. W-E-E-I-F-M, Lawrence, Boston, country, 93.7. The Electric Barn, with Cowboy Mike and Jerry, 6 to 10, on country, 93.7. I wish we had been able to do something with that. Hey, it's DEC. This is part two of DEC's favorites, and I was just going through some of my files here. And this was an idea that Dave Cullinane had that we would, for like 24 hours, broadcast on Periscope of a country station for WEEI. And I must have spent hours putting together promos and sweepers and songs. I guess we could still do that. It kind of doesn't work anymore because Jerry's gone and Mutt is back at night. But thought I would share something brand new since we're doing the best of episode And on this one, you're going to hear our interview with Paul Chartier, our interview with Wiggy, Steve Robinson, and Kirk Menahan. First, let's listen to Paul Chartier, who kind of nailed the whole Kirk saga back on March 12th. He even said on here, hey, isn't this supposed to be Kirk's first episode on Radio.com? Yeah, it's never going to happen. And he also talks about some great John Dennis stories uh, depressed the hell out of me at the end, didn't believe it, and Paul turned out to be right. The Radio.com thing was never going to happen. This is my favorites. It is Paul Chartier on the MedFan Show. So how about you remind us, Paul, um, You know how you fit in this whole thing, how long you were at WEI. I mean, obviously that was a great clip, but how long were you at WEI? How'd you kind of get started in radio, and then and then how long were you actually producing Kirk and Callahan, Dennis and Callahan, and then you moved over to ON, uh, OMF? What a pro. Um, the uh, quick version is I was toiling away as a bartender through my mid-20s, and Zarbano and I went to college together, and we were never like buddy-buddies. Like We had a lot of mutual friends, so we knew each other a lot, so whenever I was you know, at a party with him, wasted, I would end up picking his brain about radio incessantly. Eventually, he you know, stopped getting annoyed, and when he got promoted to executive producer... He, I was his first hire. I think he called me like that day. He was like, hey, I know you might be you know, into this. I can't promise you anything. Be like overnight shifts and shit like that. And I was, you know, like I said, toiling away. So I said, yeah, I'll do whatever. I'll quit. He goes, well, don't quit because it's not a lot of hours. So I started doing John Ryder Red Sox games and uh, Craig, Craig Sawish Sausage trained me. And you know, <laughs> so it was a couple of years of doing part-time bullshit. And um, I guess elevated to number one part-time guy with what at the time was MFB, which was uh, when Ben's was doing the midday show. Mm. So I was Joey's right-hand guy for a while. And then uh, Kevin Graham, the program director at the time left. So there was a vacuum on that midday show because Joey was doing double duty. So they, um, you know, Oh, I, I missed a step. Um, Sausage and Curtis quit. And so I got the job, which was kind of a charade. It was really Ken and I to begin with, but it was, you know, Lucy was quote unquote in the mix and then we had that fun summer where, you know, Dino was getting bullied by Minahan so hard he quit and then tried to recant his quit the next day. And then uh, mm. we were we were doing that for like, I don't know, a couple of months. And then Curtis came back from rehab. And, you know, at the time there was a vacuum in the midday show. So they slid me over to middays to take over with Glenn, Lou and Christian. And then Curtis came back and then um, our show did well uh, when we took off. Um First time you came in first place, I think in like 10 years in that time slot back when it was Dale and Holly. So 
we had a good little run and then um then july i said i gotta go i gotta go make some adult money so that was kind of it. yeah you just blew through something right there you said dino quit and then he recanted the next day i've never heard that i picked up on that too i i, I did i just miss this paul what what the fuck so uh it was one of it was one of these things during the summer where kirk and dino were battling consistently oh yeah because john was kind of phoning it in and Kirk and Jerry are getting frustrated. And then Dino had that clip where his la- he's played a million times. I'd never been more ill-prepared in my life. And that was like a jovial cut by John, uh, but it was true. Every show started off with John's soliloquy, and then Kirk and Jerry would just take over and do the show. So it was very, you know, um, awkward, I guess. And, you know, as a producer, you're kind of stuck in the middle of your two divorcing parents and that was the summer that Dino quit. But the little story that gets glossed over was that Dino and Kirk were like not doing the same show at the same time. Like they were vacationing. Like one right. would take two days off and the next one would take two days off. So they, they went like two, three weeks without having a show together. Mm-hmm. And they were beefing hard on Twitter. They were really calling each other out. And then it was supposed to come to this great culmination where they were both going to be on the air at the same time finally. And then Dino calls out. And um, at uh, I played softball with Zarbano, so we're at a mutual friend's house, and Joey gets the text like Dino just quit, so we're like holy shit. And then we have a meeting with, you know, Phil Zachary, and you know, I, I think everyone's kind of on board with the fact because Dino wasn't really bringing anything to the table. And then I, I don't know that John said this directly, but you know, I've heard through um, whatever I heard it through that John recanted that, okay, maybe we can fix this. We can, I'm paraphrasing what I think he might've said. Complicated. So John wanted to get back on and and the EI at the time was like, you know what? We're rolling. We're we're fine. We'll, we'll, we'll." (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So that was kind of like my experience with that whole separation. Um, is that John may have, I don't know, preemptively quit. That's incredible. He takes back that like he takes back he has to walk back quitting the number one rated morning show because he couldn't face Kirk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, who wants to face Kirk? Um, and John should be one who could totally take him on if he's prepared, but mm-hmm. uh, he didn't. And then I think when he whatever submitted his resignation, or I don't I don't know what he said. I don't know how he worded it. But health issues. It was health issues. Remember, they they worded it saying that he was taking that his because of his health or something like that. He was yeah. going to uh, accelerate his retirement, and he was I'm, just going to take sure that. I'm sure that was part of it. I'm sure that was part of it. But I don't think at the time in that summer of 2016, maybe. And if my dates are wrong, they're wrong. Um, he wanted to get back on the show, and I, I don't think uh, Intercom, EEI, whoever it was, Phil, uh, us, Kirk, Jerry were kind of done with whatever he was bringing to the table which at the time was complicated nothing. i mean you can only have fucking brad faxton on the show so many times right you know like right how many how many how many times can how many harlan coben interviews can you have in the letter of the day today's episode is brought and, sir, and honestly and fuck jerry and kirk because they would just bitch to us about these these shitty fucking guest requests they would never go to john <laughs> and tell him that he's a fucking idiot they would just bitch at us and john would bitch at what me what do you think that was about why wouldn't they go to him I think they were just waiting out the clock. I think they knew eventually that uh, you know, all the problems would solve themselves, which they did. 
to be fair, though, John was a big part of the problem. Every single day he'd come on the air and he would say, only only 162 days left until retirement. Like, the dude's fucking counting down the retirement clock. Like, you're real engaged. It sounds like you really want to I'll take come the in. midday show if they pay me. <sighs> right? Yeah, it sounds yeah. like you really want to be there when you come in every single day and talk about how you can't wait till you retired. You know, it doesn't sound like as a guy who's engaged. He, you're right. Yeah, maybe this is like he's watching Kobe Bryant do his like you know uh, going away tour, and he thought that maybe he's on the same level. But yeah, you're right. He was totally phoning it in. And I think the weekend or the, the the couple of weeks that he was out, he like was getting work done on his house, and like Comcast didn't have cable, so like he was coming into the show going, "I didn't see a minute of the Oscars, or I didn't see the Red Sox game, or I didn't see this or that." And the four of us, uh, Ken, Jerry, Kirk, and myself, are going, "Okay." I guess you're out on these conversations, but he was bragging about the fact that he didn't fucking see the content that Jesus. was going to, you know, run the, run the show. So yeah, he was yeah. totally phoning it in and it was frustrating. Can you talk about maybe a little bit about uh, how it was working with Dino from day to day? Cause obviously we've all heard the stories about him being a fucking terror to work with. Can you confirm or deny? Yeah. As much as this is a Kirk show, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by Dino in every way. So the more Dino, the better. It was fascinating to work with him because there was a little, you know, uh, tryout period, which Enercom likes to do. They stretch out these uh, auditions, quote unquote auditions for producer roles. Like, there was no chance of Lucy Burge being a producer. Uh, I know Kirk always said, I don't care if you can press buttons, but you need to be somewhat technically inclined. So the whole, that they, they strung out uh, Ken and I's audition for months. But as a result, we got all these fucking instances where John would send Lucy and I group messages about what we did wrong during the show, which always came around noon. And they were just, just like he tweets, they were just fucking aggressive, borderline incoherent, uh, critiques and there was no walking it back and then you know you'd tell it to Kirk or Jerry and they'd be like just fucking appease him just f wait just wait for it to be over is there anything to the to those rumors that uh, some uh, handy situation he's been curiously silent on the whole Bob Kraft uh, happy ending thing I'm, I've, I've heard some I've heard some sordid stories I'm not sure if you can confirm or deny if you're even allowed to um, I'll say it's before my time but I can confirm probably what you heard <laughs> whatever shenanigans were going on on at whatever uh, uh, exact yeah uh, uh, on whatever uh private jet might have been yeah i, I can <laughs> confirm that other people have corroborated this but i was not there tell us a spring training hand job story uh and it has a picture of dino on it i have no idea what that person is alluding to um that is a really weird random question i have boy i am gobsmacked by that question i have no memory of dino in that at all at Carabas uh, on a Tuesday night. Do you subscribe to the theory that Entercom is just kind of shelving him and saying, you know what, let's let's uh, let's let this guy dangle out there until the remainder of his contract and the show's yeah. never going to happen? Absolutely. I, I think they're making it difficult for him. I, I, we'll put it this way. They're certainly not making anything easy for him. Why would they? What's their motivation to make things easy for him? He's told them to go fuck themselves every step of the way, as he should. But what's their motivation to do anything to help him? Well, because he's a he's a talent, right? He's a generational talent, obviously. Right, but you you could be whoever. If the number one guy tells you to go fuck yourself, then whatever you'll it doesn't matter. You, there's pride involved. 
I, I get that, but then at the same time, aren't you trying like for radio.com sucks? Like I think you. Oh, you, you think know, David Fields struggling to turn a fucking revenue without Kirk Minahan? Well, they, yeah, they actually were. Their, their earnings were down since they acquired CBS. This this is the first. The last quarter was the first time that they actually turned a profit. Oh, um, so what is he Uber Uber pulling to and from the bar now? No, I think he's just turning tricks in the back alley. Is what I think he's doing. But anyway, yeah. anyway, uh, no, but it, it's still not a good thing from a company. Obviously, Field is going nowhere, right? Unfortunately. Um, but at the same time, there isn't there some bragging rights or isn't there some business rev? Like they're not utilizing Radio.com at all, right? Who's who the fuck is on Radio.com that's of any note at all? Like there's no standalone shows on Radio.com, so they're completely they they acquired Radio.com when they bought CBS. It's a revenue stream that they're not utilizing right now. They can actually do some branding and make it their proprietary standalone sort of app for for Kirk's show but they're not doing anything with it. For right now, they just have all this this equity that they acquired the CBS deal that's not doing anything. Yeah, so then I agree with that theory that they're not uh, shelving him actively, but they're certainly not going to make it easy for him. I mean, David Field and Sam Kennedy are absolute butt buddies. So if David Field is doing everything he can to make Kirk's show great, well, that's not going to sit well with Sam Kennedy. For those of you that don't know, I'm legally blind, and uh, when people find that out, the first question they ask is not, uh, how does it impact your life? It's, uh, why don't you just get glassed? <laughs> so uh, it's good to know that at first glance, people don't assume I'm handicapped, they just think I'm an idiot. You suck, you blind fuck! They don't come to your job and tell you you can't talk about my parents. <laughs> I think Steve's done an excellent job, and uh, the thing that's impressed me most about Steve is that he's able to laugh at all of Kirk's jokes with Ben's dick in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Menafan Show. This is DEC's favorites, some of my favorite parts of the Menafan Show over our first 40 episodes. We reached out to a lot of personalities at Entercom looking for them to come on the show. And a couple things ruined it for us. One, Rich Keefe going on trash talk and making a complete ass of himself. And the second thing is we had John Featherston on. And we were supplied with the questions ahead of time, which was from a spiked enough about me episode and that really spooked Entercom. You would think that they would be concerned about their falling ratings. Nope. They were concerned about the Menafan show and they were concerned about trash talk. So we asked Greg Dickerson, we asked Jerry Callahan, we asked Evan Drellick, and all three of those people said yes first and then declined because of Zarbano. There's another person who works there who I'm not going to name their name. They would love to come on the program, but they can't come on because of Zarbano. Well, one guy who did come on because he never asked for permission and we kind of helped him out by not promoting this ahead of time was Wiggy. Wiggy came on and we almost didn't agree with anything that Wiggy came on. But what I liked about Wiggy was that he uh, didn't agree with us on a whole bunch of stuff, but it was, I'm going to argue with you, but I'm not going to hate you. We could have an argument about things, but we could kind of end as friends type of thing. I really respected that. And I respected him a lot more after this interview because of how he came across. I hope you enjoy this one. It's DEC's favorites. Here's Wiggy. Is there an edict on Mutt and Callahan to not talk about their dearly departed, the former Kirk Minahan, as they're now referring to him? Like, why? What is the point of, 
It is the biggest media story in Boston, and you're not talking about it on a show that would talk about if Felger was leaving his show, Wiggy, are you telling me that if Felger was doing the exact same thing that Kirk was doing, this would not be point number one on headlines with Curtis and on every single discussion that they would have that when they talk this, because Callahan loves talking the inside radio shit, Curtis loves shit talking. You can't tell me that that they don't want to talk about it. So why aren't they? How is that possible? (laughs) I, you, you know, you got to ask this question, right? Here's the thing. They I've heard you bring it up, by the way, and they get real nervous when you bring it up. They get but, uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, here's how it is. They they work with this dude, right? They had a falling out with him. And <clears throat> excuse me, right? They had a falling out with him. But he goes, he might go at them a different way that they're not really used to, right? They, I, they were all boys at one time. And then you kind of see some of the stuff that's going on. And I understand both sides of the, the, I understand kind of both sides, but I'm like, listen, we're in a business here, just like you. The, the, the reason why we get into certain businesses at the end of the day, it's about making money, right? Taking care of your family, that kind of thing. And so I think a lot of the time it's like, you know, they realize and they look at it like, <sighs> they kind of look at it in the sense, and this is just my opinion about it, is they look at it like, you know, I understand what I need to do to make money. I don't Kirk, think Kirk had a falling out with the radio host. He had a falling out with upper management and some right, of the but upper management people. is like this. Like I don't know where you're from, but sometimes you got to learn to eat crow. You know what that means, right? That's not what that radio show was about. You recognize right. that that but they were about. To, but 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 but, but you get to a certain point, right? You get to a certain point. There's a there's a there's a saying. If yo, if you ain't writing, if if you ain't signing a check. You don't hold the gold, right? So no matter how that's big why you Beyonce might, wants to get paid in equity. Yeah, but, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, right, no matter how big you <laughs> might feel that you are or you might be, at the end of the day, if you ain't signing a check, you just as, as expendable as everybody else. But isn't it strange that they don't address it at all? Like, they, like advertisers wouldn't leave if they just brought up the fact that Kirk is leaving Entercom. Like, isn't it strange that a guy that was such a big part of that show and is would make people listen by them talking about him. Isn't it weird that they never mention him? Well, don't you, maybe the thing like this is right. If you mention him, right. Aren't you, aren't you really, you know, giving him something, you, you kind of keeping him relevant. And maybe, you know, when you look but what's at the, the problem with that, why when, would they, because when you look at the relationship, I, I don't know how he's competition like said, now. Like, I mean, wh- well, why? I don't know. I don't know how people are. Right. But if you, if you cross me dirty, like, I'm not like me and you ain't breaking bread. I'm not even like talking to you. If I see you, well, how did it, he do them? Dirty? But did he cross them dirty? Wasn't you know, it the I'm, other way I'm, around? I'm asking the question, right? Yeah. When I say cross cross them dirty, is like you know you're a backstabber. You're, I'm not. I'm talking about the relationship that they had, like Curtis, uh, Ken, uh, and Jerry. Right? They had a relationship with Kurt. Right? It's like it, like the certain relationship that they had. And so if there were things that were said and in their mind or in his mind and he felt like, yo, you crossed me dirty and you and you talking shit about me now. Would you say that but, that's their mindset now? Have they talked about that? Well, it almost seems they didn't support I mean, him is, is what is that's at, at least the end of, 
at the end of the day, right, he's out there on social media, right? He's he definitely talking shit. Okay, right? and I'm just, but but I'm he was. From a, the, the, so th- let's think about this. Let's think about this. A guy is sidelined from a company after right. he says that he has suicidal thoughts, and as right. a result of that, the company, instead of standing behind that guy, uses it as an opportunity to railroad him and sideline him. All the while, there's an but edict it, from management. Hold on, hold on. There's an edict from management that they are not allowed to talk about it. The only thing they're allowed to say is that we all hope Kirk will be back soon. So we right. so we take it upon ourselves as the parody account community to put out podcasts, to call advertisers, right. to call sponsors. To, to me, I called. I had a conversation yesterday with Tim Murphy. You know Tim Murphy, right? Yeah, we had yeah, a phone I mean, I conversation. Know but I, I know, so I know what Tim and I had a whole nice long talk about Kirk Minahan, and I argued yeah. back and forth with him about why they need to support him, right? They... Jerry and, and, and the show didn't do anything. And what they could have done, because I right, reached out. Wait. No, no, no. What they could have done is reached out behind the scenes. I have plenty, and I mean plenty of people that feed me information from EEI that nobody mm-hmm. knows about because I'm not going to violate a source. They could have right. done the same thing. They could have at least given me more information and been an well, ally. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, as far as the whole how deep it goes, I don't know. I'm I'm go, I'm just basing it from, like, an outsider, like an outsider who's kind of like, in there but doesn't really know how deep it goes so when i look at it and i see it like and i see him saying stuff there and i understand that he had issues with management right and i understand his loyalty thing which you know i kind of respect that a little bit but but i understand that i i know you want me to be loyal and, and i understand that but you know i got a wife and kids to feed i mean how far am i supposed to? yeah but they wouldn't lose their jobs if they just went out and said we don't like but, How but, Kirk, but, but we, Mike, we miss Kirk. But we Mike, think he's a great radio talent. If they're saying we don't want you to say nothing about this, then there's a chance if you if you break the rules, right? There's a chance that they might would they fire, fire the entire morning show. I, listen, I have no if the I have no idea. But you in this world of radio, what about I was on, I was on a show that a week before. I get an email from my program director talking about uh, and CC'd with everybody else talking about what a great job our ratings are highest they've ever been since the show's been on. We were top three persons, right? A week, a week later, I'm getting called in like maybe, you know, right around like maybe right before Thanksgiving or Christmas. I'm getting called in a week later saying, oh, uh, we're going in a different direction. Let me ask you this. Andy Hart was just hired full-time at this station. How do you feel yes. about that? I'm cool. You are? I mean, You're cool with that? I'm cool in the sense that he's a, a, a columnist. A talentless hack? No, no, he's a columnist, <laughs> right? Isn't that what he got he's hired? He's a columnist, right? but he's going to be an on-air guy, too. In fact, I, I, right. I was told, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I was told that Jerry Callahan himself had to veto him being a rotating guy on the morning show. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, but you already, don't know about that. Here's what I've already told. Like, I don't get into the gossip, man. You know what I mean? I feel like the gossip. You're on a no, gossip show. I feel like you love the gossip. Oh, you love no, no, the gossip. I, I don't. Can, can I love you, giving, I'm only interested in the my, gossip. I love giving my opinion about You love giving you know your, okay, you love giving your opinion about But I don't like. I don't that is like, gossiping. You, know, you realize that. Is that gossip? Giving your opinion yeah. about somebody else is gossiping. Well, you know, I guess maybe what, let me, let me rephrase it. Like, I don't like go searching for it. Is maybe a better way to say. Oh, it. there's nothing like, more go, fun than searching for gossip and then getting it. Like I don't, like I don't go. Oh, so what happened? Why they hire him? You know what I'm saying? There are some people that like to do that. Yeah, me. That well, yeah. <laughs> yeah that like you, right. I mean, but hey, Wiggy, I, I heard Hillman's come coming to the morning show. This is the Menafan Show. It's DEC's favorites. We booked Steve Robinson before he was named Kirk's 
producer. This was kind of um, coincidental that he came on around the time that he started working with Kirk, at least as far as we knew. Found out that Steve was a fan of what we were doing. I knew I knew Steve from his time at the Howie Carr show because I'm a big Howie Carr fan too. John knew him, and we had him on, and it was the day that he was announced to be coming along with Kirk and kind of busted his balls at up front. Seemed awfully nice, and then we realized with John's poetry that, man, this guy's a sociopath. He is cold. He is calculating and he is homicidal when it comes to bits. So I respect the hell out of that with Steve. Here is our interview with Steve Robinson here on the Menafan Show. Some 18 years ago, I left Dayton, Ohio with two very bad knees and a dream to become a Major League Baseball player. I thank God that the dream came true. <laughs> it's hard to say goodbye. The president of ESPN has resigned. I know I look like it and sound like a fool right now, uh, but just so that you understand, this person has created everything that exists here at ESPN for us. And he, he did it because of how he cares about minorities and their causes. Sometimes our emotions get to the best of us. This is now the portion of the show podcast that will get mocked relentlessly. My guess for history on, on, on my show is when, is when I read this because a chance of me getting through this is about 0%. It was and remains to this moment, as much as I love Harry, the moment when the nurse handed Kate to us uh, remains the greatest moment of my life. It will always be the greatest moment of my life. Uh, and my mom was right there for it. Steve Robinson is saying goodbye. This week, I uh, let uh, Howie know that uh, I am resigning from the Howie Car Radio Network to pursue other opportunities, and I'm will always be grateful to uh, to Howie and especially Kathy because they kind of, you know, they they plucked me out of obscurity up in Maine, and uh, you know they gave me an opportunity to come down here, to move down to Boston, and uh, build a life a life with my wife Meg, and. I'll, <clears throat> I'll always be grateful to them. Good luck, Steve, and all your future endeavors from your friends at the Menafan Show. I had that on my podcast, and when I heard that, I ran downstairs immediately. That was a uh, that was almost as fine a moment as you tweeting about the Bruins score in the uh, in the third period <laughs> and getting culinated. Yeah. Well, hey, first of all, fuck you guys. <laughs> That's that's the first time that I've actually listened back to that. I don't think it sounded as bad as I thought it sounded in the moment, but you know what? I'm definitely a pussy. I think I need to go find that clinic that uh, Mike Manansky's always hawking boner pills for. See oh. if they can get my see if they can get my T levels checked out. As the news broke today, I wish that we could have broke it on the uh, Minifan show, but Steve Robinson is now the new producer. He is the third producer that we third the third Kirk Minahan producer that we've had on this program. Oh. So Steve, quite the honor for you to be here. We are very very happy to talk to you. Uh, we're hoping it's going to last longer than forty eight hours, and we're also we're also kind of hoping that Dave Colonnade is going to hijack the studio and take Kirk hostage until he becomes the producer again. But we're happy to have you here, Steve. Well, I, I, you know, I've got no illusions about how this is going to work out. You know, a, a 
year from now, <laughs> I uh, I could be producing the most popular, most listened to podcast talk show in the history of mankind, or I could be, you know, working at a Denny's. Can I ask you this? Let's back up for a second. Yeah. Um, how did all of this transpire? Did some? What did one day? Occur? I mean, I don't know how much you can talk about because of the, you know. But let's just. How did how did this idea even pop into your head about you becoming Kirk's producer? As I think I broached the idea with you, and I think you were like, uh, "Kirk could never afford me," is what you said to me. Well, uh, I mean, the the circumstances on his end ch- and changed. It turns out he could afford me, or the circumstances on your end changed. No, nothing. Nothing changed on my end. There was. Uh, I mean, I think I think Howie and Kathy were a little surprised when I let them know that I was that I was leaving, uh, but. I've been talking with Kirk off and on, like basically, basically since he was taken off the air and looking for a producer. And I, I mean, I recommended a bunch of people to him. Like I'll tell you, I, I vouched for Cullinane both before and after the uh, Dershowitz thing. Yeah. Like I didn't know that the Dershowitz thing had happened. And Kirk emails me and he's like, "What's what's what do you what's your take on Cullinane?" And I was like, "Oh, I like him. I trust him." And then <laughs> it was like he that was after he knew about the Dershowitz. Oh my thing. god! And so I'm like, here I am vouching for this guy who just you know, I mean. It was a it was a it was a bad move on his part. I think he's recognized that you it know, wasn't Cullinane, the wisest thing. Cullinane wanted to say something to thank you for your support of him. You steal my job, you steal oh, my good. jokes. What the fuck else are you gonna steal? BJBSJ. <laughs> his jokes? When have I ever stole his jokes? So the forty eight hours thing, I think you were tweeting that out, and that's that's his joke. At least he, he claims ownership of it, but we've all co opted that to Unfortunately, now. Oh, okay. it's gotta be funny to be a joke. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't joking. Like, there's a very real possibility that Kirk Minahan fires me in in 48 hours, or I'm, well, I guess at this point we've been working together for longer than 48 hours. I'm, you know, I'm obviously I'm still not on payroll yet, but uh, I was gonna say after uh, the after I, the after the start to this podcast, it might he might be. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so so he reached out. You guys were talking behind the scenes, and then you so you vouched for Colin. Can you give me what what did you think about the Colin thing? Like now that you know what really happened, and seeing as you just videotaped. I think it was you videotaping Kirk impersonating a Boston Globe reporter. What's your take on this whole Cullinane thing? And, and you were, uh, that was you? Well, well yeah, no, I, I helped him do the Curtitone thing, but you know, it's. I could have sworn I mean, it was Blind Mike with your camera work. I gotta say. <laughs> well, it, it just happened. All of a sudden, he got the call. They kicked they kicked the can down the road. It was like 10, 15 minutes delayed, and then all of a sudden we got the call, and we're like scrambling around after inspecting a studio space, and we just like did it on the fly. So yeah, camera work uh, will be better in the future. Trust me. <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, so I'd actually. Uh, I think that with Dershowitz, I mean, he's the most litigious motherfucker on the planet. Yeah. Like, he's going to sue you for anything. The dude's on Twitter saying like, hey, hey, say this about me. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue everybody. I'm going to sue the fucking planet. So you got to be a little bit careful when you're doing that. And, you know, you don't lure people under false pretenses into an interview who have the potential, the, the means to sue you. I think that the the Curtitone thing is completely different because Kirk Kirk asked him to give the interview. Yeah. You know, and he did, he did something, you know, it's guerrilla journalism. Here's what I want to ask you. What is your elevator pitch? Because Kirk has talked about it in you know generalities. What is your elevator pitch for the Kirk Menahan show? Because right now we don't know like the particulars or the details of of like the like what the topics are going to be uh, about you know it, how the co- live calls are going to work, whether or not it's going to be live stream. So what's your elevator pitch for it? And does it involve a Netflix like type app? It's gonna it's gonna be the most interesting, gripping uh, production in the talk format that anyone has ever heard. We're gonna experiment a lot. We're gonna find what works. We're gonna 
going to take in feedback. Uh, we're going to confront people. Uh, you know, I got to, I got a bunch of ideas. I should probably bounce these around with you guys. Yeah, like, dude. Why, I wanna, why not? I want a voicemail a, line. Why not a voicemail line? Yeah, no, we're going to have a voicemail line. We'll play. We'll play some interesting voicemails that come in. I mean, we're going to have. I mean, it's going to take a little while because this is like you know, kind of a startup organization. They basically like hired me two weeks ago, and they're like, oh, by the way, you just you're responsible for finding an entire studio. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? And you guys picked a start date that's like two weeks from now, and you don't have a studio. This makes a lot of sense. Uh, but we're going to eventually have every single capability you could possibly want, whether it's video, uh, live calls, anything. I mean, the, we'll have the potential to do it, whether like, you know, callers become a regular feature of it. I'm not, I don't really think callers add a lot to any particular show unless they're very, very well screened. Uh, but, you know, we'll have the capability to do anything. But like, I got, I got an idea. I, I want to bring a heroin addict. In. I, want, I want Kirk. Yeah, I want Kirk to interview a heroin addict. And I'm not talking about somebody who's like re- reformed their life and are, have come clean and they're, they're now like traveling the country talking with other addicts i want somebody who's like needle tracks like really gross. oh my like, why what do you, I'm, gonna, why? I'm, gonna you, I'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you a hundred bucks and i want you to go i want to joe dirt this thing. <laughs> like i want i want him i want a kirk to talk with this guy and get his life story face like, to how face did, how did yeah face to face yeah i mean I'm, I'm i'm gonna carry i mean i haven't talked about to kirk about this but yeah i'm gonna carry we'll be fine kirk will be protected so you guys might be able to fill me in. What's what's the deal with uh, Jared Carabas? Okay, yeah, let's that's a good that's a good segue. So that's that's a good thing I can answer. One, he sucks. <laughs> Two, he has his tongue so far up Sam Kennedy's ass that it's not funny. He's boring. He also turned a woman lesbian. No, he didn't. Did he bone- really? That's what they talk about on CCK all the time. That he finally got a girlfriend, and they dated for a while, and she became a lesbian. Oh, he was. That's tough. He, that's going to be a huge blow to your self esteem. Oh yeah. If you if you were the one that made them change teams, I mean, geez, yeah. wow. And like like you're 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 so awful that they were just like you know what I never want to see another dick again. If you're a heterosexual woman and you're dating Jared Carabas, and this guy's got a hard on over. Uh, J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. And, Mookie yeah. Betts. Oh, yeah. What, Have you, you seen Mookie's War? Oh, my God. It's everything. It just gets me off. Yeah, see, I, so I haven't had a lot of experience with any of Carabas' content. I just know that, you know, he's like, what, a homer? He just loves the Red Sox, and he gets, it's like access journalism. Oh, kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah. Johnny sure. Most would go to him, back off, dude. Well, he's he's the um, he's the guy that is uh, at least the internet claims that he was responsible for bringing uh, David Price to Boston. So we can thank uh, we can thank him for that load uh, that 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 guy okay, that can't win cool. in Yankee Stadium. But anyway, and Price is just a pandering. I mean, he's he's a total panderer too. Price. He's a guy that wants you to know that his 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 dog's name is you know if the media doesn't know that his Astro. dog's name is Astro or whatever the hell it is, then he's going to come at you and say that you know that you're being mean to him and shit like that. But the problem with with Carabas is that he comes on trash talk with me and Mike and the whole whole time he's talking about how when he does these barstool videos he's got to have energy and he's got to act like it's almost like wwe you've got to have this whole persona and the entire time he's this dud this milk toast bore on our podcast with no energy uh yeah down a whole bottle of melatonin just oh before he came on god the a little bit it was like like come on you're not doing us a favor jared like, like we've had we've had bigger people than you on our show okay like we don't need you to come on here and give us a and he refused he didn't i don't know if he refused or not but we asked him to retweet it the fucker never did Oh, wow. At nine, on an all-new Mayor Joe, social justice warrior, ripped from the headlines. A misogynistic blog sponsors a party where a woman's clothes are ripped off her body. But Mayor Joe is there to cover her up with the American flag. Then, on an all-new Dino in the middle, a John Dennis you've never seen before. Back in 2007 when Jerry had throat cancer. Dino defends a friend. He is fighting for his life with throat cancer. 
and you're doing that. Then John tells of the heartache after. When I went away in 2014 for alcohol rehab. Then, betrayal. There was a meeting, and Callahan said, do you think we could let him go and have Ordway be the co-host of the morning show with me. The turn you never saw coming. That's why he's a disloyal backstabber. A friendship lost. Brad Faxon in a very special appearance. Mayor Joe, SJW. Dino in the middle tonight, starting at 9. This is DEC's favorites. This is the Menafan Show. And I hope you've enjoyed these two episodes of my favorites from the first 40 episodes. And, man, this is one where I really popped a rod in my pants. We got Kirk Minahan on the phone. Never thought this would happen. We've kind of joked around saying that Kirk would be on our 100th episode. Uh, a little behind the, behind the scenes, this was the day that Kirk announced he was finally out from Radio.com. And I decided to reach out to him directly and say, hey, you want to come on? Not thinking he would either answer or say yes. And he said, uh, I'll be with you in 10 minutes. So we all scrambled. Blind Mike just happened to be with us. We put him on the phone. It was, it was a total train wreck trying to get him on the phone. He even called back when I screwed it up. Uh, and he was going to give us a couple of minutes. And it ended up being like 20 or 30 minutes while he was picking up his daughter. Whenever he's busting our balls, it's interesting to go back to this and see who this guy really is, which... Again, I'm, I can't say a bad word about this guy ever because of the time he gave to us, and he was very generous. And uh, he told a good L.A. story. I think this is the only place that he's ever told one of those L.A. stories. I hope you enjoy Kirk Menahan on my favorites here on The Minifan Show. It was a big day for Kirk Menahan, and I thought this day would never come. With us on The Minifan Show is Kirk Menahan. Kirk, how are you? Uh, hello, guys. How's it going? Uh, yeah, I did read your column. Was it over the weekend? Uh, yes. DC? Fucking wrong. Totally <laughs> wrong. 100% wrong. You underestimated my ability, my shrewd ability to negotiate my way out of a deal and hand over uh, millions of dollars for freedom. You'd never underestimate the, the, the price of freedom. I, what you guys should do, I was thinking, is like, and, and I, like, what do I know, right? I haven't done this in forever. You should do like a roundtable thing where like, Kevin from Bristol calls, and Steve from Providence, and their phone sounds <laughs> That's shitty. a good idea. And, like, it's really awkward, and you could tell you guys have no use for them, and then do a show by yourself. I think that's what you guys should do, no? I think that's a good idea, but I, I, it might be played out. I'm not sure how original that would be. Oh, okay. The, the irony is I can make fun of this guy all I want, but in a weird way, in a moment of clarity, Steve from Providence, who is a pervert, probably a sex offender, <laughs> gave me, like, this moment of clarity in the middle of a screaming match where I was able to step away and say, what am I doing here in, with my life in this booth, arguing with this idiot and some shitty uh, booth for some shitty company where I hate everybody? What, what, what am I doing? And Steve's, you know, Steve gave me that, and I'll forever be grateful to him. I mean, I'll never speak to him. I would never, you know, give him any money or any, any time off the air, but I am grateful. <laughs> Do you remember so, what specifically he said that made you feel like that? Um... Yeah, we kind of, he sort of said, so he said, like, you, you keep bitching, you keep bitching, you keep bitching. Like, you always say, hey, you can do this on your own. You don't need this guy or that guy. Well, what about it? And I thought, you know what? He's right. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I, I'm sitting here like, you know, Moroso, and I, 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 you guys, you know, I like Moroso a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, there were times where <laughs> Moroso, I would, I would put my headphones in and Moroso would call out to, um, 
to the guest, and like it would always fuck up the simple process of dialing the guest's phone number. <laughs> oh God! And it, it would be like, you know, I have the thing in, and I'd be like, Mark, no, you need to dial one. No, Mark, there's not 16 <laughs> numbers in this phone call. There's no, 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 Mark, no, star 69 doesn't work here, Mark. No, no. Oh, crap, I'm trying, but you know I'm really fucking fucking number. Dial the number. He was so, very I mean, clear so with us process, that, that that issue was not his fault, that he was great behind the board. It's Kirk's fault. He doesn't want me in the studio with him. Yeah, well, you you, you witnessed it, Mike. Um, Mike, by the way, he's spoken more in this podcast than he did in the podcast I would do with him, by the way. He just had his right? mouth open. <laughs> <laughs> That's bullshit. You and I tag-teamed Moroso. That, uh, that was a Kirk, there was say, some synergy say, there. You, you, I know that you saw a budding partnership. If you go by the traditional pornographic tag team, I would say that maybe you had like half a finger in. I was, I was, I Bullshit. So uh, you saw a young Kirk Minahan in that studio. So Kirk, there was no Eiffel Tower action going on. We know that. But let me ask you this. Are you, are we going to hear these podcasts? Because I know you said on the Periscope that you still own enough about me. Are we going to hear Steve? Are we going to hear Moroso versus Blind Mike? Sure. Yeah, I guess so. So I have no idea how the, how this process is going to, work out going forward so i mean you know yeah i mean yeah i'd like to release them i don't think uh, i don't think enough about me is going to continue like with that name because it's, it's just yeah. to me that name just like it, it just as an intercommy guy ring to sure. it so i want i'm gonna want to do my own thing wherever it is i wind up whether i'm you know doing it independently whether i'm doing um a subscription service whether i'm uh working mm. for a company that is a, a large uh, sort of national company that is as a big footprint in social media, um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, honestly, I may go back to Intercom too because I really like what they're doing. So there's a chance <laughs> yeah. I may do that. I mean, I kind of, I kind of like the. I wouldn't mind like uh, maybe a big time golf show where I get to talk to DJ Singh. So I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities. Could right. you finally give us one LA story? Ooh, um, sure. Uh, I kind of, I kind of want to do an LA podcast with my LA buddies, and that's so oh, I want to keep, and I keep teasing it. I know you've been teasing um, it for two years. I know. Uh, well, they're hard to get around. I mean, these guys are, you know. I'm trying to think of the best LA story. So we were at a, <laughs> we were at a, uh, 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 a bar. You and De Niro. In, yeah, I don't know if you, do you guys ever see the movie Magnolia or no? Yeah, I haven't. Did I you heard actually, it no. starts with uh, no. respect the cock. That's all I know about it. That's the Tom Cruise one, yeah. There's this dive bar in it where um, William H Macy shoots his uh, shoots his shoots his scenes from, and we were there. We were all pretty hammered. Um, and Malcolm Jamal Warner was there, who played uh, uh, Theo on yeah. the Cosby Show, and he was kind of with this girl, who um, <laughs> who was who was flirting with him. She was nice, and we, I tried. To, I was drunk, and I was talking to him. When I would get drunk back then, I would just be like loud and obnoxious and kind of, you know, stupid. Like, but not like evil, but just dumb. And I was by my, it was by my house. And um, <clears throat> I had two roommates at the time. And one of the roommates was like the worst dresser you've ever seen in your life. So I rushed over. I was giving Malcolm Jamal Warner shit. He kind of was like ignoring me. So I rushed back to the house, got a sweater that was the closest approximation to a Cosby sweater. I'm hammered, by the way. Drove back to the house. <laughs> Drove back and went in there and started talking like Bill Cosby <laughs> oh my God. while he's while he's with that. Would you care to do that impression? <laughs> I would not. Oh, that's like a good test. That's an early test. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was the uh, it was the 
putting pops and all that. This is pre. This is what caused he was America's dad, not America's you know most most famous rapist. So you didn't mess around he, with the drink at all or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, it's a good, no, I did not. But like, <laughs> I in retrospect was like, boy, Malcolm Jamal Warner was a real dick. Like he could have like I would have been like, oh, that's creative. Like that's kind of funny. I really put a lot of work into it. But he was a total dick. Like he turned my back. Even the girl was an asshole. And then I tried to talk to him again, and I left. Do you think it might have something to do with the fact that you were extremely drunk? Yes, I think that was the, the, the lead part of it, absolutely. You guys do an excellent job, and like I said, I'll just wrap, wrap it up by thanking uh, you two, uh, Mike as well, um, all the, all the you know, Sporty R. McKenzie accounts, Bailey, all, all, the, you know, all the accounts. You guys have been unbelievable. Nobody gets this kind of loyalty, and, and I think I do deserve that loyalty, but at the same time, you guys are stuck in, 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 in the help me out, and I... I, I can't appreciate it enough, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy uh, what I do next uh, at Radio.com. I'm looking forward to going back there. That's my big <laughs> It's official. I just, I just, uh, and there are people there I like. Uh, uh, Carlson Mosey's I like a lot. Jeff Sotolana, I know you make fun of him. He's actually a great guy whose hands were tied. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it, really, actually, there, now I think about it. Thanks, Kirk. We really yeah, appreciate for giving us some time. All right, Kirk. boys. All right, that does it with my favorites. DEC's favorites on the Minifan Show. John and I will be back next week with some new content. Hopefully uh, nothing blows up, but, you know, what, what the hell? You never know what's going to happen uh, when we take a week off. So hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we're 40 episodes in, and we hope that there is no end to this and only great growth on this show. You guys have been great, and uh, we love doing it. It's a hobby. It's a labor of love. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. So until we see you next time, later, dinks. It is currently twit. Uh, Jesus, Mary. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Good weekend.